Last week, we lost another great star of Catholic media. But unlike Mother Angelica, Mr. Gaetano Galliano was mostly behind the scenes. I couldn't possibly say all that I want to or should say in the little time that we have, but if it wasn't for Mr. Galliano, salt and light would not exist. He came to Canada from Italy with a wife, five young children, and only $48 in his pocket. Working as a new immigrant in Canada, he started a small printing press, which has now become St. Joseph Corporation, the largest privately owned communications company in Canada. At age 86, Mr. G founded the Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation, Canada's first national Catholic 24-hour-a-day digital cable television network. Mr. G's secret was quite simple. It involved responsibility to the community, decency, respect, integrity, and lived Christian faith in God and in humanity. He succeeded in achieving balance that made his life and business so fruitful because he learned early on about serving others and giving back to society. He stuck to his principles no matter how successful he became. Mr. G has taught us very important lessons about faith, family, business ethics, generosity, and philanthropy. Through his life and witness, he taught us how to truly communicate with one another and how to live integrated, faithful lives. Thank you, Mr. G. Grazie mille. Thank you for giving us faith, hope, boldness, and courage, and more importantly, for giving us our roots and our wings. May you rest in peace, and may you intercede for us. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. And here with me again is Emily. Hi, Pedro. Hello, Emily. Good week. Um, We have a lot to go through to today's show. Uh, So really quickly, uh, today, Windows to the Soul, Sister Marie Paul is going to be commenting on Spotlight, the movie. So this is the the, the movie that that won the Best Film uh, Academy Award. And then Sebastian Gomes will be speaking with Senator Bernie Sanders on Connect 5. Now, as you know, Emily, so uh, just to be clear, this is an interview that Sebastian did with Bernie Sanders in September 2015 during the the, exactly. the Pope's visit yeah. to the United States. And um, I understand that Sebastian was the only one to actually sp- ask Bernie Sanders what he would say to, to the, the Pope, Pope if he met the Pope. And, of course, he met the Pope last week. So it'll be kind of uh, Gosh, cool to see what Bernie was thinking. To- uh, you know, uh, four months ago. Yeah. So you don't want to miss this uh, this week's Connect Five. And in our second half hour, we'll be speaking with the president of the National Association of Vocation Information Directors, Sister Mary Rowell. And then we're going to be meeting, I'm excited about this, uh, singer-songwriter and Catholic entertainer, Kyle Hyman. I... Have you heard of Kyle? No. Okay. Have you heard of a group called Popple? Not even. Have you heard of a group called Spork? No. no. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, well, you stick around and you're going to learn all about yes. uh, Kyle. We're going to listen to one of his songs shortly. But before that, roll drum drum set roll because Emily has a haiku prayer, right? I do. Okay, tell I me, do. tell me, tell me. Because okay. I've, I've been getting them all through all throughout the, the week. I have, so. a, I have a couple here, but I don't know which one to pick. Oh, the pick, pick your um, best one. Well, geez. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pick the second one I wrote. Okay. Uh, okay, so here it goes. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Before the day ends, I remember your loving words. My soul can now rest. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. I feel like I need to pray this every night now. Isn't that? <laughs> that's what I like it, that they're yeah. short and easy and they become, of course, personal. This will yeah. become you. Read the second one. Okay. 
The sun is rising, and so my soul is rejoicing, waking up to you. Oh. There you go. You have like you a go. morning one See? and an evening one. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, now here, I received a message from Deanna Pierre, who's in Omaha, Nebraska. She listens to the Salt All and Light the Hour States. every Saturday morning. She says she listens to the, to the Salt and Light Hour every morning, every Saturday morning, or half of it, because she's mm-hmm. driving to her sacramental prep class at St. Peter's in Omaha. And she's ha- she has about 30 girls that she's preparing to receive either First Communion or Confirmation. All the girls are Hispanic. She says Hispanic background is a Hispanic parish. And Deanna heard the request a few weeks ago, and then she got to the class, and so she asked the girls in the class to write haiku prayers. Oh, that's wonderful. So then she sent me like 16 of these. Goodness, Um, how do you pick? Well, no, you you can't. (laughs) I can't read them all, but here's a few, okay? Mm -hmm. So this one's from um, Jennifer, Jennifer S. Mary, cleanse my soul. Guide me and all my choices. Give me strength and love. Nice prayer to Mary. Beautiful. It is. Thank you, Jennifer. And then this one, this one is Diana. Diana writes, God, please stay with me and watch me through the long day and through the long night. Isn't that great? Wow. It's beautiful. Thank you, Diana. And then oh, I got one more. This is from Yaeli or Yaeli. Yaeli writes, Dear God, I love you. Thanks for watching over me. Help me love you more. Aren't these great? That's that's fantastic. Okay, so yeah. there's like about 12 more um, <laughs> that, I, of course, you know, and I received others through Facebook and Twitter. In fact, I just received one. Um, I'm going to post them on our radio page, and you can go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio to check them out. And remember, so it's three lines, yes, five syllables, then seven, seven. seven syllables, and five syllables. And, and that's interesting because I actually, one of them was guardian angel and guardian was three syllables mm. but i would have said guardian was two syllables right so that's kind of interesting but guardi dear Tricky. guardian angel anyway um so there you go thank you diana pierre and gracias a todas las niñas de la clase de religión por enviarme tan lindas oraciones i hope that they help you in your prayer lives as they're helping emily in her prayer life okay so we got to go um way behind schedule here um but we're going to begin with a song from our featured artist of the week kyle hyman here's chip off the old block from Kyle from his new album I wrote these songs for ukulele I never knew I could be happy just looking at you a simple grin could always win my heart over from the day I saw your face I didn't know what to say you opened your eyes To my surprise Nothing else mattered You are so amazing to me I can't wait to see What you're going to be I love it when you You lay on the ground You're looking up and I'm looking down I'm teaching you, but you teach me to love. You like it when I sing you a song. Don't even care if I get it all wrong. Don't know why I'm such a lucky guy. As you grow, it's important to me that you know. We agree that you can be and do anything And so I pray, yes I do 
I pray every day that God would show and you would know what choices to make. You are so amazing to me. I can't wait to see what you're going to be. I love when you lay on the ground. You're looking up and I'm looking down. I'm teaching you, but you teach me to love. You like it when I sing you a song. You don't even care if I get it all wrong. I don't know why I'm such a lucky. I don't know why I'm such a lucky. I don't know why I'm such a lucky guy. That was Kyle Hyman with Chip Off the Old Block from his album, I Wrote These Songs for Ukulele. And just by the title of that album, you know that Kyle is... He, he's really an entertainer. These are not what you would call your, your serious religious songs. Um, we're going to be speaking with Kyle Hyman at the end of the program. And in about 10 minutes, Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. She's going to be talking about the movie Spotlight. But first, Emily, um, yeah. we got some news. Uh, Pope. Yes. Unexpected Pope. trip. One day kind of trip. Yeah. I mean, we kind of heard about it yeah. maybe a couple of weeks ago. And then, uh, and then, and then, w- and then yeah, within went. a few days, he just, he just went. And this was, and a we very didn't know what trip. he was going to do until no, like the exactly. day before. Yes. Yeah. All we knew is that he was going to Lesbos, the uh, a Greek island. Yes. And um, his main reason for going was to visit a refugee camp over mm-hmm. there. So, as we know, there are a lot of refugees, yes. um, Syrian and from elsewhere yes. as well, who have been arriving on the port. Mm-hmm. Um, on on this island yes. and a lot of them by boat many times and so um so he went there to to visit with them to to be to be close to them and uh so this was to be a pastoral and ecumenical yes, trip only right. because he was accompanied by the uh, ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew um, and so throughout the whole, you see images. Uh, if you go online, uh, you can see a lot of images, the Pope and the Patriarch, as well as the Archbishop of Athens and, mm-hmm. and all of Greece. They, they were together the whole time and walked through the camps, met with refugees. Um, they also signed a joint declaration asking European leaders to help refugees safely relocate and support countries already welcoming refugees. Right. So right. just a, a, a call um, again to, to help these, these people flee war yeah. um, and violence um so he also gave a couple speeches and uh and on his return flight back this is kind of where the highlight yes, happened this he, was a surprise right this was huge like i saw pictures on twitter and i was like wait was what what just yeah. happened what what did he do yeah so he brought back 12 12 refugees with him three families, three families yeah. and all muslim mm-hmm. and so this was really a powerful powerful sign you yeah. know um and so now this was this was in collaboration with the community of Sant'Egidio in yes. italy so they helped pick the families right um the italian government also said that there were certain conditions for picking these families of course. um i mean this this trip happened two weeks after uh, the agreement between the european union and turkey to um to, to deport uh, yes. refugees who who arrived after a certain date back back to yeah. Turkey, and so they had these families had to be um, in Greece before before right. that day. So right. um, yeah, yeah, and so now cool. they're at the Vatican. Now they're at the Vatican or in Italy somewhere. Yeah, they thought where are they going to live with right. with Pope Benedict <laughs> somewhere? Yeah, I don't exactly. know. But they're we actually know, not staying there. They're actually no. continued. They're continuing to wait for them to be. Uh, 
uh, place, place somewhere, somewhere yeah, exactly. but instead of waiting at the refugee camp in Lesbos, they're now waiting yeah, with probably Pope Francis being and Pope properly Benedict. fed yeah, and know, properly cared for. Very so cool, very cool. This is really good news. Yeah, it is good news. Now, uh, as our listeners know, uh, the the legal landscape in Canada is changing. We've talked about this mm. in the program before. Our law, our criminal code, is being changed to yes. allow to legalize. Uh, medically, what they're calling medical assisted dying. Right. The Catholic Church is not quiet about it. No, nor is nor are many other, other religious, religious. Uh, communities yes. here in Canada. Um, yes. So this this bill um, that the this new bill that they're presenting, mm-hmm. um, there was a press conference in in Ottawa uh, this past week on Tuesday, and leaders from uh, again uh, the Catholic Church as well as the Evangelical Church. Um, there was a representative from the Canadian Council of Imams and uh, a member of the Salvation Army as well as the Jewish community. Yes. So um, they gave a press conference and each addressed uh, the media um, on Parliament Hill. And their main concerns were really uh, the protection of the most vulnerable. So some of the things that they're really calling for, because they kind of see this bill as like, well, it's going to pass, it's going to happen, it's kind it's of inevitable, happen. right? Yep. But there are things that uh, the government can still do, mm-hmm. which are these three things here, which is to protect the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So again, not to not to force um, this upon people, um, make sure that uh, people understand as well, like what, what really is happening. Um, protecting also the freedom of conscience oh. of the doctors of and the, the doctors yeah, the which is one of the really important things because i think some, some and i don't think that's in the bill actually as if it, right. as it's proposed yeah yeah they really fear that um that there could be uh, consequences mm-hmm. if they don't propose this mm-hmm. to their patients mm-hmm. right um and also offering um good palliative care Absolutely. so to, to looking to to this alternative good um yeah 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 good and and, and we're going to be talking more about this in this show as we approach that june 7th deadline because mm-hmm. the law is changing in canada mm-hmm. um finally emily we have a new bishop yeah well an auxiliary Bishop at, in the Archdiocese of Montreal. So Monseigneur Alain Faubert, who is from the diocese originally okay. of Montreal, he's been a pastor there since 2012. Um, he was also Episcopal Vicar for the Eastern Region of the Archdiocese. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now the Pope appointed him as so Auxiliary Bishop. Auxiliary. He'll be, good. Yeah, joining Monseigneur Christian Lépine as a... Uh-huh. Good. Félicitations, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Monseigneur Alain. Alain is his name, right? Yes, exactly. Um, good, cool. We still short a few bishops uh, in the rest of the country, so hopefully this is uh, we'll, we'll have beginning. some more bishops <laughs> yes. uh, that's very cool thank you uh, we, we love and support our bishops merci Emily You're um, thank you uh, Emily Callan is one of our French language producers you can stay informed on what's happening in the Catholic world and in Canada on our daily perspectives updates and you can see Emily there in many languages she does French at sultanlighttv.org and also on our Roku channel Hello there, my name is Tom Booth from Spirit and Song and OCP. I invite you to keep listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. If you like this program, why not consider supporting us financially by becoming a monthly donor through our Guardians program? That will ensure that you can continue to listen to the Salt and Light Hour every week. You can find out more at saltandlighttv.org. Now it's time for... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. So, best movie of the year, Spotlight. Is it really the best movie of the year? Well, you know, I couldn't entirely accurately give you an answer on that since I haven't seen all the other movies. All the other other ones, okay. But I will say this. 
that it is a very well-crafted film that does a really good job of dealing with a really difficult topic and story. So I was actually happy that it won, and not just uh, Best Movie, but also Best Screenplay, Uh because it took a very difficult topic and handled it extraordinarily well. Okay, so tell us more. Spotlight is actually the name of the Boston Globe's investigative team who uncovered the really the devastating story of the pattern of Catholic clergy sexual abuse in the Archdiocese of Boston and then beyond. Mm -hmm. So it's actually the name is great because it's exactly what it says. It is focusing on the investigative team. And so as they uncover the story, that is the plot of the movie. So it's a great tribute to investigative journalism, of course, but it's also very even-handed. It's not entertaining, of course, and it's not an easy film to watch. But what the filmmakers do is that instead of sensationalizing it or looking like they're going after the church, they simply allow the investigation to unfold, kind of just letting the actors portray these moments of suffering and of scandal and in really of Mm truth-telling so that, you know, it's not a perfect film, but it is respectful to to capture the complexity and the drama of the situation and also the immense impact that the sexual abuse scandal had on the lives of the individuals involved and on the church in general. Mm -hmm. So it's a really powerful story, and it's done, you know, it actually almost seems factual. You almost think you're watching a documentary. It is important to remember that it's not. It's not entirely factual. It's, you know, things are oversimplified, events are compressed, um, but it is it is a very powerful story that helps us to understand, you know, for those who don't, who weren't personally connected with anybody involved, which hopefully that's a lot of people, yeah. um, you understand better the spiritual side of the abuse, the scandal, the, 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 the devastation that happened, especially in the church in Boston, because it takes it at a very local level. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is, is almost all the reporters that covered the story are lapsed Catholics. So you see them wrestle with their faith, their lack of faith, and their idea of the Church as well, which kind of brings it even more home to us. Um, I guess the big question that people asked me when the film first released was, should I go to see this film as a Catholic? And my answer would be, perhaps. It's well told. It validates the stories of the survivors. It's important to remember these things because we want to support the survivors and we want to prevent it from happening again. Mm-hmm. If you do go to see Spotlight, I would recommend a couple of things. You know, first, remember it's dramatized. It's a story, it's a huge story that's covered from a close-up perspective, from a Spotlight perspective. So it doesn't answer the big why questions. You know, right. it's really just showing what happens. What... The film falls a little short for me in that it doesn't show how prevalent child sexual abuse is in society, much more so than in the church. Now, of course, the scandal was particularly horrific as a betrayal of innocent children, and it could never be tolerated, but it does reflect also a larger societal problem that it would have been nice if the film had highlighted a bit more. Um, the other thing that the film doesn't cover is really the aftermath of what happens, which is that the Catholic Church now has perhaps the best, most proactive, you know, child protective policies of any institution in the world. So that's a very hopeful note that the film, you know, doesn't include. Right. Um, just, just to as a as a footnote too, uh, 
right around a couple years after the, the scandal broke in Boston, Father Ronald Rollheiser wrote a beautiful article uh, entitled Uncaring a Scandal Biblically, that he really looks at this this particular scandal and says, how do we approach this as faithful Catholics? And it's it's a wonderful companion. If you do go to see the film, I really recommend looking up this article. It's on my blog. Father Ron generously gave me permission to repost it, but you can find it on his blog as well. And it really talks about the film can help us name what happened. It can call us to greater compassion. It can invite us to offer healing rather than being defensive or, you know, scandalized. It can help us to grow in humility, you know, so that we can help and become part of the healing process. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a really, it's a powerful film, and uh, it's not to be seen lightly, but it is, it is something that could challenge us to go deeper in our faith and our understanding of, you know, the fact that even good institutions and even people that we, we want to admire, um, you know, are also flawed human beings. Right. Good. I'm glad you addressed the question of whether we should go see it, because I was going to ask you that. I haven't had a chance to see it. It just hasn't been possible. It doesn't seem to be on demand. Maybe I'm going to have to buy the DVD. I know it's out on DVD. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would support that, that we should. It's, it's, a hard, it's hard for us Catholics to face the fact that these things happen, but they happened. Um, and the Church has done, as you said, a, a great deal under Pope Benedict, and now Pope Francis to, to make sure that these things don't happen again. Um, and part of that healing means facing the fact that it happened. Um, yeah. And maybe yeah. this movie is a, is a good way to, to approach that. Um, and thank you for mentioning Father Ron Rollheiser. So that, that will be at your windowstothesoul.wordpress.com blog, right? Yeah, yeah okay, absolutely. Good. Good. And, and also, I presume that you've also written a longer, more detailed uh, review or comment on the film at your blog as well. So if people wanted to know more. Yes, absolutely. They can read it's, what it's, you've written. it's all my thoughts. It's, it's really out there because I really wanted to respond to the film. Okay, very good. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much, sister. Um, I'm glad you could talk about this film for us today. Thank you for the opportunity, Deacon Pedro, as always. All right. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. You can also follow her at Sister M. Paul. Hey, I'm Tori Harris, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. How are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time? How about listening in, meeting a fascinating person, and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect 5. Today, Sebastian speaks with Senator Bernie Sanders. This interview was taped during the papal visit to the United States in September 2015. Senator Sanders, you're very critical of the, uh, the political system here in Washington, the whole structure. And your campaign is all about changing that, building movement, building momentum to try to change that. But do you really think that change at that level is possible? That's a very good question. And I can't give you a definitive answer. It may not be. But I am going to do everything I can to uh, try to make it happen. It is possible that we are at a moment where those people who have the money and the power, those people who control the media, who control the economy, who contribute large sums of money to politicians, may be unbeatable. That may be the fact. But what I am trying to do is to reclaim our democracy and bring millions of people together to fight for justice, 
uh, and to fight for a government that represents everybody and not just a handful of very wealthy people. What do you see as your specific role? Well, obviously, it's an enormously important role. I mean, President of the United States is no small position. <laughs> but the point that I have made is it's not just about electing a person to be president. Because the powers that be here, and that's Wall Street, uh, large campaign donors, uh, corporate America, the corporate media, are so powerful that no president, not the best intentioned, most honest person in the world, can bring about the changes that we need unless millions of people are galvanized and energized to stand up in an organized way. We're a Catholic channel, obviously. We follow Pope Francis very closely, and, and he often speaks about those on the margins, those who are on the periphery, uh, you know, both geographically and existentially. Uh, politically speaking, there are a lot of people on the margins. There are a lot of people who are excluded from the political process, Absolutely. from the democratic process. Uh, how, do you, how do you bring those people back into the center of the po political well, That discussion. is a great question, and I think about it every day, and I don't have all of the answers. Uh, one of the problems we now have is that as a result of a very disastrous Citizens United Supreme Court decision, very wealthy people are able to spend as much money as they want to help elect candidates they support. And because for so many years government has ignored lower-income people and working people, they've kind of given up on the political process. And the challenge that we face, which is a very difficult challenge, is how you bring those people into the system, give them the faith to believe that they can make a difference at a time when people are very disillusioned and alienated. Because I know that we can't raise the minimum wage to a living wage. We can't deal with climate change unless millions of people are demanding that. And how you make a connection between the President of the United States, literally on a daily basis, with millions of people, bringing them into the process, is, is a great challenge, but one that I'm looking forward to undertaking. What do you like most about Pope Francis personally? I mean, just when you, when you watch him, when you see him, when you hear him. Maybe his audacity. Uh, he's a very audacious guy, uh, fearless guy, uh, to be very, and, and he's a very smart guy. Uh, and very often what I say to people who are you know, criticizing me, I say, you think I'm radical? read what this guy is writing. Do you see what he's writing? Uh, it goes a lot deeper, in fact, than, than what I, the kind of platform that, that I work around. Um, so his courage, his willingness to speak deep truths in a very corrupt and sick society uh, is something that moves me very, very much. If you had the chance to speak to him one-on-one, -on -one, what would you say to him? I would simply thank him. I mean, this, uh, his voice is having a profound impact in so many ways. And again, it is not just pointing out the disparities of income or the dispossessed or the unemployed or the poor and what's happening to them. It is reminding us that life simply cannot be about the accumulation of more and more money and turning our backs on the children and the elderly and the poor. That as human beings, to live a good life uh, we have got to see the suffering that is around us and to try to address that suffering. That makes us happier and better people. And that's what he's reminding us of. That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with Senator Bernie Sanders. You can watch this and more interviews at sultanlighttv.org slash connect5 and also on our Roku channel.
coming up in our second half hour, promoting and forming vocations, and a featured chat with Kyle Hyman. So stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, this is something that probably is not on the radar for most of you. Religious vocations and formation. But there are people whose job is to do exactly that. Promote and form vocations. In fact, all religious congregations will have a vocations director. And maybe more than one person in that role. Uh, the National Association of Vocation Information Directors is an organization composed of all these directors um, and is dedicated to creating and fostering a vocation culture in the church. Um, and there, there will be uh, national association vocation formation organizations in different countries. Um, to tell us what all that means and how they go about doing it, I am now joined by the president of the National Association of Vocation Information Directors, Sister Mary Rowell. Sister, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you very much, Deacon Pedro. Now, let me just clarify. So this is the, the NAF, NAVFD in Canada, is this, or is this North That's America? That's right. It's yes, the Canadian it is one. in Canada, yes. Because yes. there is, I know that I've done, I've, done, uh, uh, I've had spoken to the American one, which has a very similar NA. I can't even remember the, the but but there's the so the National Association of Vocation Directors exists in other countries. Uh, here in Canada, the National Association of Vocation and Formation Directors. Correct? Yes, and we we work very closely with our U.S. colleagues, who are the National Religious Vocation Conference that's of the right. United States. NRVC. That's right. That's, that's right. right. Paul, Father, brother Paul Bernardchik. That's right. That's right. Yes. Good friend of mine. That's right. Yes. So so what does it mean to have? What, what, what a vocation culture? What is that? Well, um, we uh, really um, have taken on the, the the spirit of a big conference that was held in Montreal uh-huh. in the year two thousand, and that conference um, began putting us on the path of this culture of vocations. It's the recognition in the church that. Not only priests or religious have vocations, but that, in fact, all of us do. Okay. And that all of our particular vocations um, are, if you like, um, a, 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 a special expression of the vocation that we are called to from our very baptism. Uh-huh. And so it's, it's not a hierarchical idea that one is better than the other, but that within the Church serving the world... If we all fully live our vocations, be that marriage, be that the single life in the world, priesthood, or um, consecrated life as a a religious man or woman, Mm -hmm. uh, priest or brother, um, we um, are, in fact, um, all contributing, like a lovely patchwork quilt, um, to to building up God's, God's kingdom in our world through our church. And so... Although sometimes NAVFD has a specific focus, um, we try to embrace a full culture of vocation, realizing that we each complement one another and give strength to one another in as much as we all fulfill our own faithfulness to our particular vocations. Yeah. See, that's really interesting because then 
even my whole introduction because I even uh, because the NRVC and you you made that distinction very clear mm-hmm. national religious vocation but you're not a national you're not focusing specifically on religious vocations then no although some of our work does um, okay. you know focus specifically but it is that lovely recognition that yes. um, somehow or other there's this lovely complementarity in the church I like that I like that very much you know I'm, a, I'm an ordained minister but I'm not <laughs> in religious um, and people most people are not religious but they're married mm-hmm. um, and and then the poor single people who are always left behind um, that's right. Instead of realizing that yes. for some people that is yes. a choice in response to God's love and that it enables them to do what it is they're called to do in the world, too. Yeah. One of the interesting things we've found um, is, particularly from the American research in the, in the United States, yes. is that um, families um, who are able to, to fully live their vocation um, are a wonderful seedbed also yes. for religious vocations yes. um, or for, for priestly vocations. And so um, we each make this, this great contribution to one another, and none of it can be separated. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I once heard, um, I once read something from Father Timothy Radcliffe, uh-huh. who used to be the, um, uh, the leader of the Dominicans across the world. Right. And he said that he was once going to attend the profession of vows of a sister who um, lived in a very, very poor area of Portugal. And he didn't speak Portuguese, but the brother translated for him. And when they arrived in the area, uh, the sister was making her vows in the parish church, and she lived with the very poor and marginalized. And... um, the little children were all playing in the street, and mm-hmm. Father Timothy asked the little boy, what is it then that, um, that is on today? Is it a Portuguese fiesta? And he, the little boy said, no, Father, sister is making her vows. And he said, at that moment, he realized how important our promises to one another are to live out whatever vocation we're called to, whether it's priesthood, whether it's married life, whether it's to be a sister or brother Mm -hmm. or a priest in a religious order, that the fact that we're willing to make commitments and promises when we can't see ahead of us um, becomes a beautiful sign of hope for even those with the least hope in the world. Yeah, I can can understand, and I think uh, our listeners can understand that, that there is specific work that you could do in terms of promoting vocations or religious vocations or, or or vocations to the ordained life for example mm-hmm. but when it when we're talking about vocations to the single life or the married life it's a little more nebulous How, what kind of specific things would you do to promote and help form vocations i guess help promote that vocation culture well i think i think we need to do um a lot of sort of um affirming of everyone in right. their particular vocations yeah. So, in fact, to hold sort of collaborative workshops, for example, our upcoming conference, um, yes. there, will be, there will be some married people attending as well. And then we also work alongside people like the Knights and Saren Club. Okay. And um, in, order to, in order to really affirm everyone's vocation, even when we're concentrating on a particular vocation. Uh-huh. Now, I do think it's true today, though, that we have to put some special focus on priesthood and religious life. Yeah. Because our younger generation 
aren't necessarily even aware mm-hmm. of the options and the choices that they have that, that, if you like, God puts before them in the church. Most automatically presume that marriage is the only route. Right. Um, because we don't necessarily see as many priests, and particularly sisters and brothers, mm-hmm. as we did before. And so um, sometimes there has to be a very special focus on that in our churches, but it's it's um, everyone who has a responsibility for that. Yeah. So this conference that you mentioned, so this is the conference, this is your national uh, conference. It'll be from April 25th to the 28th in Winnipeg That's this right. year. The theme is Live the World Courageously, New Voices in Vocation Culture. Yes. Um, you have several speakers, and you're saying that that it's open to everyone because it's not just for vocation directors or, or for people in religious life and the priesthood. That's right. Now, what has happened really to date is that it's mostly, it's mostly, it's mostly um, members of religious orders who, right, who, who form the, the, the bulk of the participants. But um, fortunately, each year we sometimes have associates attached to religious communities um, who are right. married, men and women, um, representatives of something like the Saren Club, which right. promotes religious and priestly vocations, yes. um, and um, and we're hoping that that over the years will grow and grow. We're investing a lot of energy um, into that now, so that we can promote all vocations, affirm people, and and also pay attention to the fact that um, we, we we do need to reflect on increasing the number of people who feel able to discern a religious or a priestly vocation too. Yeah, of course. And and now coming from the 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 sin of the family, the exhortation that just came out, yes. and, and there's probably going to be a renewed uh, desire or interest to for example, uh, do better marriage preparation, and that can all be part of this as well. Um, most dioceses have offices for life and family that that yeah. could also be part of, of this. I'm very excited th- that, that, that this is happening, and I, and I hope that you're also helping promote vocations to the diaconate, to the permanent Absolutely. diaconate. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and, um, and, and, and certainly certainly that too. Yes. And, and I think the more we can come together, the more we can sort of grow our culture of vocation um, across the country, um, we'll become so much more vital, I think, in, in our living out the, the, the Christian gospel in, in the church. Um, so it, it, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful initiative. Yes. And um, we're holding out uh, uh, a, lot of, a lot of hope at the present time. Okay, very good. We're going to leave it there, Sister. It's been great meeting you, and, and all the best next week for the conference. If people want to find out more, they should just go to the vocations.ca website? Yes. Is that correct? All right. That's right, and there's a, there's a whole um, there's, there's a whole sort of uh, package that's on there that shows all of our speakers. Some of them speaking on religious life, others on discernment processes. Right. One on single life, one on Ignatian spirituality for everyone, and oh, also the new gospel communities, which yeah. are sometimes religious and sometimes lay people. Yeah. So, so. Um, we uh, we look forward to that very much. Okay, very good. So all that information at uh, vocations.ca. Thank you very yes. much, sister. It's been great speaking to you, and enjoy Winnipeg. should be beautiful there at this time of the year. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> okay, thank you, bye-bye. Deacon Pedro. All right.
Bye-bye now. Sister Mary Rowell is a sister of St. Joseph, and she's also the president of the National Association of Vocation and Formation Directors in Canada. If you're considering a religious vocation or you're discerning married life or wondering if the single life is for you, maybe you'd want to find out more. If you're in the Winnipeg area, maybe you want to go to the conference. You can learn more, as we said, at that website, vocations.ca. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Kyle Hyman, with Childhood Prayer from his album, I wrote these songs for ukulele. This is a prayer I used to pray when I was a little kid. Laying in bed, tired, so tired. Good morning, God. Thanks for the fun dreams I had last night. I was a spy And the coolest part was I could fly Today I pray that you Would help my sister to be cool And not annoying like she usually is Dear God, I've been eating my vegetables I don't know if this prayer might seem questionable But if you have some time to spare I hope this doesn't seem unfair Please help me to grow some facial hair Hey God, it's me School went well, I think, don't you? You've got lots to do But if you have a minute or two You could help my mom to pick out cooler clothes for me to wear And <clears throat> Did you forget the facial hair? Dear God, I'd like to be like the other boys But when people call our house They think they hear my sister's voice I've been praying for this since June When you find it opportune Please help my voice to change soon starting to grow now I have B.O. and acne shows 
That was Kyle Hyman with Childhood Prayer from his album, I Wrote These Songs for Ukulele. Now, you may have heard the name Kyle Hyman from the band Popple. Kyle describes himself as a passionately Catholic husband and dad who travels the country playing music, entertaining, and speaking to youth and families. And I'm pretty sure that by now you can tell that the music that we've been listening to is not what you would call overly Catholic or pious or even religious. It's entertainment. The, the first I heard of Kyle was when I learned about the band Popple, which was a group comprised of Kyle and some guy named Dan, and they described themselves as comedic, acoustic, fun-loving music. Now, Kyle is also part of Spork, and I'm going to ask him about that. It's a duo that he formed with Justin, some guy named Justin, and this one, he they also describe themselves as, as doing comedic music that will make you dance until your quads are sore. Kyle likes to play the ukulele. That's just random, but important. And his latest album is called I Wrote These Songs for Ukulele. And, and Kyle also just uh, is the author. He's a published author of three very cute micro books, and we're going to talk about that as well. Um, so we have a lot to talk about, Kyle. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Deacon. It's happy to be here. So um, do you see yourself as a musician, a, 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 a comedian, a children's entertainer? What are, what are you? Well, that's a great question. I, I, I hesitate to call myself a musician because I'm not really that good. <laughs> You're a good ukulele at, player. At, I, we always say that we're amateur musicians, professional entertainers. Yes. So wh- where we lack in musical ability and knowledge of music theory, uh, yeah. we make up with having lots of fun, and, and sometimes that's contagious, and other people like to have fun with us. Right. Now, when, when you... Popple doesn't exist anymore, right? Oh, no, yeah, we still we Oh, still you are, do still we do actually, stuff? Um, Last weekend, we were okay, we had good. an event for middle school students in Virginia, and, and next weekend, we're in Texas. So we're still doing things as Popple, um, but Dan, the other half, is a youth minister, so there's sometimes where there's conflicts in his schedule, right. and there's been events come up, I was, oh, that'd be fun to do, so... Uh, started up Spork as a, as another opportunity for us to do that. Okay, and Spork, and, and just yeah. another creative outlet for me because I'm kind of uh, addicted to creating things. Yeah, it is. Would you see that there's a a diff? I mean, not not knowing. I mean, I know a lot of the stuff you did with Popple, um, and now just hearing some of the stuff you're doing with Spork. Do you see that there's a difference in focus for the, of those two duos, or are you? Is it kind of similar approach, similar focus? Yeah, it, it, it's both. I mean, there's some overlaps, definitely just because I'm involved with both, and I think you know, my interests and, and passions and influence kind of come through on both of them. Yeah. But at the same time, they're completely different styles. One is acoustic, and the other one's more electronic dance. Uh, yes. So it, it's kind of just my scattered mind kind of spewing things out in different directions. And uh, yeah, there's some definitely some overlap and, and some things in common, but there's there's also some some vast differences between the two. Yeah, of course. And and I'm, I'm glad for, uh, thank you for pointing that out, that is, Popple is very acoustic. It's And, and I don't want to label it, but it, yeah, you hear Popple and I thought, oh, it's just, you know, it's like good children's entertainment. Like I could have these guys at my kid's birthday party. Yeah. Um, whereas Spork, you're right, it's like techno, you guys are rapping, some very funny raps in the... Yeah, we uh, like to have a good sound system whenever, whenever we go places with Yeah, Spork. you're DJing, I don't know, it sounds like you're DJing, sampling... Yeah, um, and then you you come up with uh, album names that I can read, but I can't pronounce because more bass or more bass than a Friday in Lent. Nobody that knows. and therein lies the pun, you know. The and, pun. and it works really good on paper, but it's it's hard to decide how to how to pronounce that word. Yeah, more but bass. Yeah, more bass than a Friday in Lent with yeah, a, no. the pun being on lots of 
fish. Yes, Friday. more bass. Yes, of course. We get it. We get it. Um, and, yeah. and, and I guess people. I guess. I guess uh, people ask you what what is what is a spork? What is spork? Other than two guys doing techno music. Well, a spork, just from the, the definition of, of the device, is a half spoon, half fork. <laughs> uh, it's it's, it's yes. really the most practical utensil known yes. to man. You, yes. can, you can stab things with it. You can scoop with it. It's, it's the best of both worlds. It's like, you know, if you have cake and ice cream, what do you do? Do you use, you a, use a spoon spork. Or a, for, your, for your ice cream, or do you use a fork for the cake? A spork kills two birds with one stone that's great that's great so and and i know people ask you between you and justin who is the spoon and who's this for but i'm not going to ask you that yeah, well that's 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 very personal good we don't yes. like to thank you i don't, don't want to go there public. thank you um what's with the micro books so first of all what is a micro book do you need a microscope to look at them what is a what is a micro book okay to be honest deacon uh, a micro book is really a booklet but that didn't sound very cool. <laughs> Booklets so I thought microbook sounds cooler than booklet. Yes, microbook. So uh, it, it's basically, I have a very short attention span, and I don't like to read uh, adult books, you yes. know, the big books with lots of words and no pictures. Yes. And so uh, I try to create a book for somebody like me, somebody that's not really going to make it into a 5,000-page book, uh, much less a 50,000-page book. And so just kind of trying to condense some ideas into a short, humorous book that that would appeal to somebody that might not pick up a big book. Right. Okay. So the first one you it, wrote is. Sorry. Go ahead. It, you could you could just accidentally find out that you read the whole book and, and you didn't even mean to. You just like what is this? And then all of a sudden you read. You oh, read the whole I just book. read yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Exactly. Good. The first one you wrote is is man's man's guide to life. So choosing the right urinal. Uh huh. What, what what made you write that that book? It's a it's a book about vocations, obviously. obviously. You know, and uh, it it comes it starts with a personal story about a trip to the bathroom and a kid using the adult urinal, and I have to step it up on a stool to use yes. the kid's urinal, and uh, just talking about how you know we have a vocation in life and, and a purpose and a reason that we were created, and we can see we can feel out of place whenever we we ignore mm -hmm. the design by our creator, and it kind of just runs with the bathroom analogy through different things like confession and yes. uh, in prayer life and, and things like that. So um, it, it stemmed from a, a men's talk that I gave, and I didn't actually plan on, on kind of going into the topic, but just kind of went there, and, and the guys loved it, and they said, you need to write a book called Choosing yeah. the Right Urinal. <laughs> yeah, right. And I ended up doing it. Yeah, so. It is a great title, a micro book. Um, and then, of course, the ladies complain because why are you giving a book for men? And then you had to write the ladies' guide to guys. That's that's pretty much what happened. I was like, I can't. When are you going to write a book for girls? As well, I'm not a girl. I can't write <laughs> a book for girls like that. Like yeah, this yeah, is yeah. from personal experience, and yeah, you know, going to have to have a girl do that. And then I started uh, thinking about how women's talks go, and and hearing kind of these ideas of, of chastity and modesty from a, another female is a perspective that women might get frequently. And uh, there was an opportunity for me to provide the guy's perspective on those topics. Yeah. And so I just kind of break down some things that women might know, not understand or, or realize about guys and uh, that's that was kind of that approach. No, it's it a is a very different it, it, book. It is, but it's very useful because if 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 there's are any girls out there, any women out there who just can't figure out their man, read the book because you need to read this book. Um, now, the one that I can't figure out is the host book. So, why are you writing a book about hosting? 
parties? <laughs> well, so with Popple, Dan and I have traveled all around the country and internationally. We've been to Canada quite a bit. Yes. And we, we've seen so many different events. We've seen things that go really well and things that consistently do not work, although people keep trying to do them. Yes. And so it, it, it kind of came out of this, uh, this consensus of, you know, what is working, what isn't working. And then on top of that, I, I really started pushing with a lot of other people that I know that put on events or have been speaking at a lot of events and pulled them for, you know, what are some things that you see common mistakes? And so it's, it's really a tips and tricks book for youth ministers, diocesan people, anybody that organizes events, especially for youth, but there's, there's crossover for mm-hmm. adult events too. And uh, retreats, conferences, rallies, anything like that, that it's some, some things to avoid and some things to do that will kind of take your event from where it is now to the next step, the next level. Yeah. Bring more people in and have them more engaged when they're there. And uh, so it was just my, my attempt at uh, sharing some of the things that I've learned Good. So it's good advice, actually, um, uh, for anyone planning an event with or without Spork or Popple. Um, right. Why? So it's, it seems to me that what you're doing is you're you're using the the silliness and the comedy or the to to as a vehicle to get to deeper topics. Exactly. It's it's like a, a foot in the door. You know, once you get that foot in, then you know maybe you can share a little bit more. Uh, People also refer to it with youth ministry as earning the right to be heard. Right. And so we, we just try to share authentically who we are and what we enjoy and have fun. And that kind of breaks down the barrier of, of us being able to share our faith, which is ultimately what, I, what brings me joy, is being able to share my faith with other people. Now, you have a new website. You're writing a weekly blog about faith. How's that going yeah, it's been going really well. For 2016, I started writing every Wednesday. I put out a new blog, uh, usually using some kind of an analogy or life experience to explain my faith and uh, to to anybody, really. Yeah, it's just been kind of an outreach, and it's been fun to see the comments that people have and sharing it on social media and uh, hopefully just being able to to break open some of the more difficult aspects of faith or, or even things that people that uh, don't believe mm-hmm. you know, in God or, or Catholicism or whatever, uh, to draw them in a little bit and expose them to things in a, in a non-offensive uh, way, you know, a really right. kind of gentle and, and easy to, to understand. Right, good. And so that's at kylehyman.com. Um, we're going to leave it there, Kyle. We'll run out of time. But I, I think that if people have heard the little bit of the music that they've heard on this show, they've heard you speak, they're obviously intrigued by the micro books, and they're going to want to find out more. And I would say to anyone listening that, I mean, yes, it's great for children, middle school, but for everybody. Everybody needs a little bit of uh, uh, lightheartedness in their life, especially when we're uh, going to talk about important things like truth. So thank you yeah. for what you're doing, Kyle. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, and it's, it's meaningful, too. Well, thank you, Deacon, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Good. So once again, you can learn more about Kyle Hyman, about Popple, about Spork, about the microbooks, and all his other projects, or you can read his blog at the website kylehyman.com. And Hyman is H-E-I-M-A-N-N, and Kyle, K-Y-L-E, but I'm going to put that on our website so you can find it easily. Uh, we spoke to Kyle Uh, from Redeemer Radio in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So thank you to Robert and the staff at Redeemer Radio in Fort Wayne for helping us out with this interview. Here now is Kyle Hyman 
and Justin from Spork with their theme song from their album More Bass Than a Friday in Lent. Sound the alarm. Kid from the city, a man from the farm. Ten dudes with a dream to dance and sing. Bigger than Marina Super Bowl ring. Theme song. Sound the alarm. Kid from the city, a man from the farm. Wretch like a vine and a fork and spoon. Wait for the hook, it'll happen soon. See, We're listening to Spork with theme song from More Bass Than a Friday in Lent. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where you can learn about all our featured artists and guests. That's also where you can find out all about our work at Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. And you can learn how you can support our ministry by becoming a monthly donor through our Guardians program. We can receive donations from the United States now. So go to saltandlighttv.org and learn more. Remember, you can always reach me through Facebook or Twitter, Deacon Pedro. And remember to send me your haiku prayers. May you continue to have a blessed Easter season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Come and dance with me.